0: Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. Uh, My name is Bob, and I'm reading today from the words of, Let your kingdom come. These are my own words, Uh, actually, mostly scripture, though. Uh, Just a few comments in between, as you've noticed. I'm only trying to put into the hearts of God's people the very words that God has promised about his kingdom that is coming. We've traced the entire Old Testament. We're almost through with the New Testament now. We're in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 8. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. Yes, we know that that God rules the world. But the word yet in that last sentence I read lets us know that one day all things will literally be put under the sun here on earth, on the planet, a real government ruled by a real king. Hebrews 8, because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, And they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Doesn't it surprise you a little to find that that New Covenant or New Testament are not originally church words? The new covenant was a promise to Israel. We are invited into their covenant, but only when they at first rejected Christ. I'm in Hebrews 10 now for the law. Having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect for then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshippers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Remembrance is what the sacrifices are about, not forgiveness. So would it be such a problem for remembrance sacrifices to take place in the millennium, looking back to Jesus, remembering what he did, as we do when we partake of the communion service. I once visited a a Sunday school class. It was taught by a person of the amillennial persuasion. He invited the class to research for homework the book of Hebrews to see if they could find a future sacrificial system. And the more energetic among them were invited to scour the entire New Testament for such a topic. It would be difficult, indeed, to find such a thing in Hebrews, where the author is attempting to free people from dependence on the Old Covenant. What the feature, a teacher failed to do is direct his students to the prophets. Now, the prophets are found in what we call the Old Testament, but the prophets are not mosaic in character. They do not describe the old law, but simply tell about judgments and future glories of Messiah. They're so very valuable to the child of God and informative in this area of the kingdom. Why not look there? It's like saying, uh, this week I want you to read the book of Jude. See if you can find anything there about a post-tribulation rapture. (laughs) No, you won't find anything about any rapture in the book of Jude. So, the assignment was a a faulty one. Hebrews 12, But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this Yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. That's Hebrews 12, 22-28. So more clues here, if we need any, hit this late portion of my documenting, that the kingdom that's coming is material. Notice the matchup of names in verse 22, Zion, Jerusalem, and so on. These are the very same geographical names we read throughout the prophets. Notice, we are receiving a kingdom in the future being the implication. Aren't we kingdom people now? But but do you see the difference? That's what is important, that you understand that there is a kingdom now. There is a kingdom later. There is a difference, but it's the same basic kingdom. Let's move into the 40s AD and the kingdom and James, James, the half-brother of the Lord, who was in some way the leader of the Jerusalem church, giving Peter the freedom to travel here and there to to find and preach to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Our first hearing from James comes during a council called to deal with Judaizers in the church. I'm in Acts 15. And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God, at the first, visited the Gentiles, to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, After this I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things i cannot say enough that the early church expected a literal jewish kingdom with jesus at its head but here the church is being made to accept the real possibility that god is allowing gentiles into their midst they not only see what god is doing around them but suddenly their own scriptures are coming alive to them these words quoted by James, are from the prophet Amos. Later, James wrote a letter to the twelve tribes that are scattered abroad. Now, how easily we forget that the early church was Jewish. But James makes it clear that the kingdom is for anyone who loves the Lord. But in doing so, he once more declares that a kingdom is coming. Look at verse 5 in chapter 2. Listen, my beloved brothers. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? God has promised a kingdom to those who love him. A promise involves a future event. Yes, we do have kingdom now, but the fullness of the kingdom is later. That's a promise. That's a promise. Well, we're moving into the A.D. 90s now, A.D. 90s and the kingdom and John's revelation, the kingdom and the book of Revelation. Now, we dealt with John earlier in outlining kingdom passages in the Gospels, but we're going to look at this final book of the Bible in a totally different light. Yes, it's the same John. It's the apostle, the disciple that Jesus loved, Oh, but he has aged greatly. At least 60 years have passed. He's experienced the long life that Jesus seems to have hinted at in that dialogue with Peter by the sea. He's a prisoner of Christ now. And as he has changed, uh, so has the Jesus that he once knew. Oh, Jesus cannot change in essence, but he has changed in appearance. His form is so overwhelming that John falls at his feet as dead that certainly never happened while jesus walked here with us even at the transfiguration there was room for a comment or two certainly if there's going to be some abrogation of a literal kingdom the book of revelation is the last chance we have to read of it but i can tell you up front spoiler alert here no it's not going to happen he's not going to abrogate the kingdom the kingdom is here in Revelation, stronger than ever. Let's look at the greeting in the very first chapter, verses 5 and 6. This letters from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God, and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Kings, priests, this is a legit kingdom for sure. Real kings reigning over real subjects. Chapter 1, verse 9 speaks of the kingdom and patience of Jesus. It says, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation, and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called patmos for the word of god and for the testimony of Jesus Christ so tribulation and patience for now but a kingdom is coming chapter 2 he who overcomes and keeps my works unto the end to him i will give power over the nations he shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, says Jesus, as I also have received from my Father. So he reigns. He's reigning. We reign with him. How clear is that? Revelation 3 To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Such a promise. There's a throne in heaven. There's going to be a throne on earth, the throne of David. Revelation 11 is the grand announcement that all the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever. Verse 15, the the seventh angel sounded. And there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Chapter 11, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. He comes to reign. He comes to reign. Have you picked up that theme yet? Revelation 12.10 Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength And the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. This chapter 12 tells us that when the dragon is cast out, the kingdom of our God comes. This is millennial thought. It's not that Jesus comes and destroys the world and starts over. It's that Jesus comes takes over the government of the world, and that government rests on his shoulder. Paul tells us how that transitions later into an eternal reign with the Father. That's in 1 Corinthians 15. Judgments fall on the nations throughout Revelation. The Babylonian world system and or church falls, and then his coming. Graphically portrayed in chapter 19, but first this in Revelation fifteen four. who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name for you alone are holy for all nations shall come and worship before you for your judgments have been manifested. There it is. Worldwide worship. Did you get it? Just like we were reading all through the prophets. Worldwide worship. And now the end. You see how Revelation 19 connects seamlessly to Matthew 25. It's the same terrifying Jesus here as the Jesus who sits before the nations of the world in Matthew and sends some to hell, some into his kingdom. Please understand that he brings his saints with him. They're not the sheep and the goats of Matthew 25. Look at Revelation 19. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called... The word of God, a description of the coming king. It's awesome, powerful, true. Not the meek savior who gave his life thousands of years before. He's ready now to make war while he tenderly cares for his sheep. Verse 14, He is accompanied by saints and made righteous. The saints have been made righteous by him. Revelation 19.14, and the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Verse 15, he strikes the nations. He defeats them quickly. He pours out the wrath of God on all his enemies, and they are many. He begins his rule with them, as predicted in Daniel and so many other places. Do you remember where the rod of iron is predicted? Revelation 19, let's read about it. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Do you see? We transition right away from his coming into his rulership over the world. There's no destruction of the world here. There's a takeover of the world. Verse 16, he is, as in chapter 11, king of kings and lord of lords. It says, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, king of kings, lord of lords. That's not just poetry, that's actual fact. Verse 20, he makes short work of the Antichrist and his assistant, throws them into the lake of fire. It says, then the beast was captured. And with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Are you agreed on all of this? I think everybody listening to me right now is totally agreed. Now watch carefully. We're going from Revelation 19 to Revelation 20. The chronology continues. There shouldn't be a chapter break. No need for it. Keep going with the chronology. No need to change gears. The flow of history continues. No chapter division. Chapter 20, Revelation. We're going to reserve till next time. Revelation chapter 20. And with that, we will, Lord willing, finish uh, the Bible part of this story, and then there's a little bit left as we trace the kingdom message through history. Do stay with us. This is such a critical portion of this documentation. God bless you, and this is the Hackberry House of Chosun. Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.